All right. Good morning, Church on the Rock. It is good to see some old friends, and it is good to see some new friends, and uh, and just people who are old. That's awesome. Uh, It is is a good day. It is a great day. I'm not sure about you, but in the midst of of yuck, can we just say sometimes life is yucky, right? And our brains are are just messed up, and uh, I'm tracking with you. I'm not sure about you. But I look forward to Sundays because it's a moment in time when it just is not yucky anymore. It's just, I, I have friends and, and worship, and I, yeah, I dig into the Word, and it, it is just a God moment. So thank you. Thank you for coming. And I hope and I pray that these moments here that we have together, it's a time of anticipation and joy and filling in, in a midst of world that is full of yuck. So uh, looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to tonight, too. Uh, our prayer song. We've got so many things to praise God for. The list is longer than our prayer request because we have so many good things to pray for. So I'm going to pray and dig into our message, and let's go. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are good. Oh, God, just that we can talk to you like this. You are the king of the universe. You are our creator. You are the one that wrote history in such a complex way. And, and God, this, this stuff I'm, I'm going to be talking about, I'm not sure if, if I can explain it well enough. So Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and, and teach us and help us to understand, but not just understand. You do some heart surgery in us. Because there's two takeaways here at the end that, that you just need to work on our hearts. Like supernaturally, Holy Spirit, I ask that you'll do that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I, have, uh, I have a barber I go to all the time. And uh, when I first met him, uh, he had little action figures all over his wall. I thought, he's going to be a good guy. Uh, even though he had no hair, I thought maybe he could uh, still cut mine. And so we, uh, we worked on that for a while. And I understand that, uh, you know, as you, you get your hair cut, you have to have conversations. So he asked me the question, are you into the Marvel world? Okay, some of you are laughing. You know what that means. And I go, well, what, what, what do you mean? And, and I said, I, I've watched this. I've watched this. You know, I, I know, the, you know the, these superheroes. I watched some of them. He said, no, no, no. Are you into the world? And, uh, and so I, I go, okay, so help me understand. So he's trying to build the Marvel world as he's cutting my hair. He's very enthusiastic. I got a very short haircut that day uh, because he was just clipping away. And so, uh, so I said, yeah, I remember some of those. You know, some of those, I just didn't, I wasn't into that. I, I didn't like this one thing, and so I didn't bother watching it. He said, ah, oh, then you won't get it. I get what? Get what? He says, he said, many of these stories stand on their own, but you need to listen. You need to watch them all to get the whole story, and then your mind's going to be blown away how they all are interconnected, and he's telling me this. I'm going, that's the Bible. <laughs> that is so the Bible. You know, you can see David, you know, and Goliath. That's a really cool story. Check. Moses and the bull rushes. Check. That's really cool. You can get all these little stories. But if you start to, to span back and watch how they all fit in, you start to go, oh, my goodness. This thing was written over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and it all fits together. Not only was it written by, in over hundreds and hundreds of years, 
It was written not by a committee of people in a, in a room somewhere brainstorming up a really cool, fun movie. This was reality. And God, God had to write his history through people that could say no to him. How do you do that? Yeah, how do you do that, right? People who could go, no, maybe not. And so he has to go be arranging people, situations. God, the great creator, has, has formed human history in such an amazing way. And when you discover this, you start to see that there's some parts in the Bible that did not make any sense, that make a lot of sense. For instance, next week, we are going to, oh, Lord willing, have a really special guest. I can't announce anything because... Because he hasn't said yes, he said 90% yes. But uh, keep your eye on your emails. I might tell you, you know, there's a special guest that's coming next week. But anyway, next week we're also going to be talking about the covenant of David. And the covenant of David is this, uh, where, where basically God says, I'm going to keep somebody on your, of your family line on the throne forever and ever and ever. And we go, hold on, but that didn't work. And then you go, hold on, like, okay, well, I guess that promise didn't work. But then you open up the book to uh, Matthew, the, the New Testament Matthew, and it starts off with a genealogy, okay? How many, if you try and read through the Bible, how many people go, oh, genealogy, blah, 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 blah. The next one, right? All of a sudden, you realize that the genealogy in Matthew is they've gone back to King David, and he said, oh, that the son of the son of the son of the son of. So guess what? Jesus is in the line of King David. He is going to be the king that lasts forever as a promise to David. So all of a sudden, this stuff sort of starts to make sense. It starts to make sense. And God keeps on moving his, for, his, his history forward. He still does that. He not come back again, right? Guess who he's moving it forward through? A bunch of people in this room and around the world who say yes to him. And it's just exciting to be a part of the grander story. So we said, okay, how are we going to look at, at this grander story? We're going to say, okay, let's look at our Jewish roots. We know that Jesus was Jewish. We know that the apostles were Jewish. It's really fun because uh, I went to Jerusalem and uh, I got one of these prayer shawls. That's really cool. And uh, so Jesus would have worn one of these. All right, he would have worn one. And uh, there we go. And, and see these, these tassels here? These tassels? It would go, uh, like he'd even have a coat uh, over top of it, but the tassels will hang out. Remember that story of the woman that, that reached out and touched the hem of his garment? It, it's the right word, it's a tassel. So that she touched just one of these little tassels of Jesus' prayer shawl, and she was healed. The, the, the Jewish history is wrapped up all through the Bible. And so we thought, okay, let's, let's read this. Let's try and understand it through this thing called uh, covenants or promises, promises. We looked at the first promise in our whole uh, series. And it started at creation, creation, that God created this beautiful, intricate world. And that the science part of me wants to just stop and press pause and go off for about 20 minutes on how amazing our world is. And if you are, if you're on your way to God, Thank you, by the way, for coming. If you're watching online and you're not there yet as a, as a believer, as you're just trying to figure out your spiritual, but not yet uh, believing in God. Oh my goodness, just look to science. It is amazing. You start to ask the question, why is gravity just the right, right, uh, you know, constant that we're not squished or we're not floating? It's just, it's just perfect. 
Why, it, why do we have a perfect atmosphere that has just, a much, has the, just the right amount of nitrogen in it so when lightning goes through it, it creates enough nitrogen, fertilizes the earth, and just the right amount of oxygen, right amount of oxygen for everybody to believe, yet the right amount of carbon dioxide for the trees and grass to breathe. That is just perfection. I got really off on water. Like, just like this, water is so cool. We're the planet of water and we need, it's just the perfect dew point so it, it it evaporates but not all of it okay not all of it. it just evaporates enough and it condenses just high enough so it rains so we have perfect recycling do you know god made a, a world of recycling so we can have fresh water all the time I also discovered that that water when it when it when it turns into solid most things that turn into solid get more dense and they fall down and if that was the case with water uh, the, the water would would get more dense and would fall to the bottom of lakes and just kill all the fish kill all the plants and then it would like the water would like like freeze from the bottom up. But how come, how come the water is lighter when it gets solid? It's because it's this lattice work where there's oxygen trapped all the way through it. It is just so perfect that it just happens to be that way. It could be many other ways. It just happens to be that way. So our world does not die. All the fish in the ocean don't die. All the fish in the lakes don't die. It's just, no. okay, sorry. God made a really good planet. And if you're on your way to God, just look to creation. And I pray that God will open your eyes. There is a God. There is a God. And he chose humans as the pinnacle of his creation. And he gave us choice. Don't we all have choice? Isn't freedom a part of just this is who we are? You can't tell me what to do. All that kind of, that's, that's because you have choice in you. And so every human every, ever born had the same choice that the first people did. They could choose God. Or they could choose against God. First people chose against God. Now, the theologians call this the fall. And the fall brought emotional brokenness. We have shame and guilt. We have brought spiritual brokenness. We just can't get close to God on our own. We have relational brokenness. Well, you said, you said. We have physical brokenness. And all creation is broken. In the midst of that brokenness, God does not abandon us. He promises that he's going to take initiative to defeat evil. In fact, if the first Adam ruined it all, there's going to be a second Adam that's going to come sometime, sometime in the future, one person. And, and even though evil is going to try and destroy him, it, it's not going to hurt him. It's not going to hurt him, but he's going to crush the head of evil. So the promise, number one, the covenant, number one, evil will be defeated by one person. And we look forward and we anticipate it. For who that person would be. And, and, and God then works, works on, on the next uh, stage of his plan. He calls a guy called Abram. I'm not sure if that was the first guy he called or, or, or the 20th, but he responded. I want you to jump in your car and just drive. You and your family, everywhere. You're going to move to a different place. <laughs> Where? Just follow me. Just follow every mile marker. I'm going to tell you where to go. Just follow. Does that sound like God to you? <laughs> okay, thank you. You got, you got me, right, God? Awesome. You're, you're making my path straight. Where do I go about this next mile? Well, where's that going to take me? Just follow me, man. Just follow me. Oh, so God. Anyway, so Abraham just believed. And he followed. Then he said, listen, you're, you're old guy, old guy, older than me, which is like crazy old, Okay. He said, now, now you're going to have a kid, you're going to have a baby, 
not only going to have a baby, you're going to have like a whole great nation is going to come from you. And Abraham probably just thought about that one go, unlikely. <laughs> you know what? I believe. You're going to do that for me, God. Thank you. Thank you. It's interesting, just that belief, he was counted righteous. Just seems too easy, doesn't it? But in the midst of that, God says, okay, since you believe me, I'm going to make a holy promise, a covenant with you, like a marriage ceremony, but a little, little messier. He goes and says, let's, let's cut up these animals in two, place, place their carcasses on either side. And then back then, that's how they, 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 they wrote contracts. And the two people that would write the contract would walk through the, the blood and then, then walk around the outside and shake hands and basically said, okay, if you, if you renege on your promise, you're going to end up like one of these animals, right? So, okay, so walking through that says, okay, if I don't do what I'm going to do, I'm going to die. I'm going to do what I'm going to, I'm going to fall through on this one. And so Abraham gets ready. Okay, good, good, good. What do I have to do? And God says, just go to sleep. I'm going to do it just on my own because you're not going to be able to keep this thing. Right, And so God walks through on his own saying, listen, I promise you, I promise you I'm going to come and defeat evil. I'm going to promise you that you are righteous because of your faith. Just me, because it's only up to me, not up to you. And so that, that is what the covenant, the promise was to Abraham. Uh, And uh, it's interesting, this whole idea of, of, of a covenant in Hebrew, it's berit, berit. And uh, as the Hebrew dictionary says, thus, the word berit or covenant implies the shedding of blood in the process of ratifying an agreement. This is, this is sealed in blood, in other words. So promise number two, promise number two to Abraham, our spiritual relationship with God can be restored through faith, through faith. Now fast forward uh, 400 years, and Abraham's child of promise, Isaac, had, had, had a couple kids, Isaac and Jacob. And then Isaac grew, and his, his family uh, grew, and, and, and Jacob grew, and, and, and they're, they're just, it, they grew exponentially. Their extended family uh, uh, actually went down to Egypt. Because of famine, they went to Egypt, and there they were given prime land. But then they were betrayed and, and, and enslaved, and now we have a family that's a really big family, Hundreds of thousands of people, hundreds of, imagine Christmas, all right? Hey, all our families getting together. Wow, okay, that's a lot of people. And so God called a leader called Moses, uh, primed his life in Pharaoh's court, got him to have the language of the Pharaohs, understand the relationships in the court, to prepare his, his character in the wilderness, and sent him to lead his people out. You know the story, Moses goes, let my people go. And they wouldn't. And in the midst of all the, the famines and, and the, the various plagues that came, they finally went out to Sinai in the wilderness. This is all part of God's plan. What was God doing here? Here's the next stage of the plan. Guess what? I'm going to beat evil. Number two, guess what? You can, evil is going to be beat if you have faith in me. Number three, here we go. What's happening? I'm going to read it in Exodus 19, 3 to 6. And Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. This is Mount Sinai. And God called to, called to him from the mountain and said, give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Okay? See, it's a family group. It's just a family group. A really big family group, but a bunch of families. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. All right? This, we got this big Christmas gathering out here. And it says this. If you obey me, if, 
if. This is an interesting one because the two previous covenants were unilateral. unilateral. I'm just going to do it. Now he, he asks us, listen, if you can do this, yeah, now if you obey me and keep my covenant, that you will be my own special treasure from all the people on the earth, for, uh, for all the earth belongs to me. And, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. I want you to be holy people. I want you to be free from sin. I want you to be holy. And you're going to be priests. You're going to be mediating me to the, the rest of the world. You're going to help people come to me. And, and you're going to do this. If you can obey this, you're, not, you're going to turn from a family into a kingdom. You're going to be now a country, a nation. And so this, this forming of a family into a kingdom starts with Moses. Interesting. Do you, do you read the New Testament and hear Jesus talking about this thing called a kingdom? What well, kind of refers back to this? A holy nation, one that brings people to God. Whoa, yeah. Okay, we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. So God wants individuals. He wants individuals to come to him like Abraham. But he also is forming a group, a nation, if, if. This word if comes up a lot again and again in the Mosaic Covenant. In Deuteronomy 28, it says this. If you fully obey, there it is again, fully Oh my goodness, like, I, I wish I could fast forward through that, all right? Can I just have, you know, can, can you just do this? Do I have to do things? Yeah, if you fully obey the Lord your God and, and carefully keep all his commandments, ah, okay, yeah, ouch. Now I'm giving you today, says the Lord your God, will set you high above all the nations of the world. You experience all these blessings if, there it is again, man, if you obey the Lord your God. Uh, the passage goes on and promises fields, families, and nations if they all obey. All obey what? All obey what? It's the, the law. The core of the law is the Ten Commandments. But there's 613 other ones that sort of surround it. And, and let me just uh, go through real quickly what the law is. We're, we're going to get to a real practical spot. So, so hold on. Hold on with me just for a bit longer. Because sometimes you read the Bible and you go, What? Okay, this is, this is going to be good to know, all right? This is going to be good to know. There's four kinds of law in the Old Testament. Number one is a civil law. Basically, this is a law of a nation. This is like Canada's laws, right? You can't park there. You're going too fast, that kind of thing, except they have their own thing. Two people in a fight, you know, one person loses their life, all right? They, they get all into the details, sort of national laws. Now, when you read that, you go, what does that have to do with me? You get to find out the heart of God, but it really doesn't have as much to do with you because because the, the nation of Israel is, 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 not, is no longer. And then there's distinction laws. These are, keep you separate from other nations. They, they weren't supposed to do the things of, uh, of the people around them. Uh, who you marry, what kind of food you have. Listen, all the people around you are coming, hey, come on over for a bacon fest. We are going to have, you know, bacon, ham, and uh, you know, pork. Woo! And uh, they're going to party down, and all the Israelites go, ah, oh, man, could you cut that a little further away? It smells so good. Anyway, so the idea is, like, now I can't join in the rest of the nations because there's some distinction laws that are, are going to keep me separate from other people. And uh, that, 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 anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. So both the civil laws and the distinction laws don't apply for us. In fact, in the New Testament, uh, God says, listen, you can eat all this stuff now. It's not about you becoming uh, a separate nation. There's a whole other thing that's in play. So great, do we just throw out all the laws of, of the Old Testament? No, there's these things called sacrificial laws. 
The sin that separates us from God, that deserves death. We talk about this again and again. That, that there is a price tag attached to sin. And that is death, eternal death for ourselves. It, 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 it separates us from God. And, and if you want to be able to have free access from God, if you want to have a relationship with God, there needs to be a payment for that. And so, and so there needs to be death involved in that. And so they had sacrifices that they did again and again. They didn't really take anything away over the long term. They just were temporary fixes, temporary fixes. Hebrews 9, 20 ex- explains this. The blood confirms the covenant that God made with you. So, so basically, he's talking about Jesus' blood. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So in other words, listen, there is a covenant. If you break the covenant, you're going to die. Well, I broke the covenant. Guess what? You get to die. I don't want to die. Is there, there, there plan number two? Yeah, someone else can die for you. Well, well, who? Who's going to do that? Well, well we're, we're going to get some very innocent animals to do that for you for a moment, for a time, to show you how serious your sin is and to make a pattern so there's going to come a time when someone who is innocent will take care of that. And that person you can depend on forever. Then there's the moral laws. Don't lie, don't steal, don't murder, don't covet. All those kind of things. All these are from the the character of God. And so they are made for us to be holy people. Here's the problem. Nobody could keep all 613 laws. Nobody. In fact, everyone tried and failed. Do you know what? Everybody in this room have broken the Ten Commandments. I don't even know you. I know that's the case, man. You know what one of the commandments is? Don't covet. What, what does that mean? Like, don't want somebody, something that, that somebody else has. Well, like what? Like their car, like their vacation. They get a little bit more convicting there. I just don't covet their, their house, their lifestyle. Just don't do that. That's in the Ten Commandments. I just want to realize we're all on the same playing field. Okay. We're all, we're all messed up, all right? Okay. I am too, man. I am too. I watch your Instagram feeds. I go, oh, uh, lucky people. I'll pray for you. <laughs> well, why did God say, here's all these things you have to do. Here's what perfection looks like. And he knew that we wouldn't make it. Why, why did he do that? Just to frustrate us? Here's a good quote. By falling short of perfection, we realize we need forgiveness and God's grace. So again, God writes in this huge pen through hundreds of years. And and as he's writing this pen through this nation where they can't, they can't, they can't, yet individuals are coming to him by faith. He just wants to let you know, listen, if you want to be real religious, if you want to get all the rules right, if you want to try really hard, just want to let you know you can't. Here's the rules. Man, you just like, no one can do it. No pastor can do this. No one can do this. And you go, well... Well, what what am I supposed to do with that? Well, then you need forgiveness. You need to to rest on me and what I've done, my grace to you. 
And he got that message done in many hundreds of years. He, it's, it's, it's a big message. <laughs> no one could hold up their end of the promise. No one. No one himself. And so God himself linked himself with humanity. That's called the incarnation. And Jesus became fully human, and he was also fully, hum, uh, fully God. He lived a perfect life, so he didn't need a sacrifice. He did not need to pay for a thing. 1 John 3, 5 says, and you know that Jesus came to take away our sin, and there is no sin in him. Like He, he did it. He was able to be holy. Oh, my goodness. That's why his, his younger brother could look back and say, no, no, he's God. <laughs> how else? How can you do that except you're perfect? Perfect. Jesus lived the complete moral law. Not only that, and we can't get into this, but it's just fun to, to make you think about it. Uh, Jesus fast-forwarded through the history of Israel and, and was obedient every time they weren't. Isn't that wild? He just did the fast forward, and in a few years, he lived the life. For instance, he fasted 40 days in the wilderness, right? Does the wilderness and 40 sound familiar, right? <laughs> like the 40 years, Israelites were in the wilderness, right? So he did this in 40 days. They, they were there for 40 years. They complained about food to eat. Give us food to eat. We want food. You're not giving us good food. And so Jesus had no food and the Satan says, come on, come on, you can, you can have some. He says, no, I'm not going to because I'm going to be obedient where the whole nation was not. I'm going to relive this whole story myself and I am going to show that I am going to go through those same waters. Oh my goodness, it's just so good. So good. He is fully human so he could be connected to us and we could go and rely on him. He was fully God so his capacity was infinite and so he could literally die for the sins of the world. Here's the interesting thing. I fully believe that Jesus has paid for every person's sin on the whole planet. Isn't that awesome? Well, does everybody get to go to heaven? No, you have to have faith. So if you're on your way to God, if you're not there yet, you know your sins are already forgiven. Isn't that awesome? He's just waiting for you to reach out in faith to him. Say, I believe. So good. Come on, if that doesn't make you want to worship, I don't know what does. Uh, so, Moses. Covenant. There's the, Mo the, the Mosaic Covenant, which just gave people a law that they couldn't do. And so we realize that we can't do it. And we have to rely on him. Number three, God also in this just decided, I, I don't just want individuals like Abraham. I want a nation. I want a whole group of people. And so we're going to look at those two far, as far as our take home. Dave, what does this have to do with me? We went through a lot of theology. Thanks for hanging with me. I'm really glad for that. Okay. We, we dug a little deeper here. What does this have to do with me? Let me give you two takeaways. Open your heart to these things. They are, they're good. First of all, beware the religious whisper. The religious whisper. What is the religious whisper? Religion tells you 
to do more, to work harder. You can do this. If you do enough, there's a balance in heaven. And if you can, you can do enough things that are good, it's going to balance out all the bad things that you've done, which makes no sense. Okay, here's why it makes no sense, all right? Okay, here, here. I've used this illustration before, but think about it, okay? Okay, you've backed out of your driveway. You killed a child. You go to the parents, and you go, it's okay. I'm going to come by and bring you lasagna every night. The good is going to outweigh the bad, right? No! The bad still has to be paid for by someone. But the religious... The religious whisperer says, if you do enough things, God will like you. That is what religion is. And, and that is what so many of the Pharisees tried to do with the law. They tried to, to, to do all the law to see if they could be religious enough to be able to check all the boxes so God would love them. You know what? I think there's that spirit out in the world where people say, I have such a bad attitude. I don't serve him enough. I'm a bad parent. And I fell again. God, you have rejected me because I'm not good enough. Anybody feel that one? Don't raise up your hand. All right. I don't want to feel the wind of everybody raising hands. Okay. <laughs> I'd be the first one. I'd be the first one, man. That gets in my head. Dave, you're not doing enough. Not doing enough for what? It's that amorphous feeling of being right with God. I still remember this one young man. And he was crying. His hair was around his face. His tears were hitting the ground. I got beside him. What's, what's the matter? What's the matter, buddy? He said, I've done too many things. God has rejected me. Wow. Yeah, he's 15. Probably hasn't, you know, killed a whole bunch of people. Have, have you killed anybody? That's why I said, sometimes I'm a bad counselor. <laughs> he says, no. Okay, okay, that's good. Cross that one off, off the list. And I just went down through. I said, do you know how messed up the people in the Bible are? <laughs> King David, wow, Moses, Moses the murderer. Maybe that would be, that would be a good epitaph. But you see, that, that's what every religion in the world tries to say. If you meditate enough, you give to the poor enough, you, you, there will be good balance in the world. That's religion, that's not, not God. Jesus says there's nothing that you can do that can impress me enough. In fact, we wrote it, God and I wrote it through, through the world, through history to say, listen, we're going to show you what good enough is and you're going to fail again and again and again and again. Why, why we wrote that so you can see that you can't do that. Can't do that. So what happens out in the world as they try and manage the tension of that guilt you know what they say? Oh, you're good anyway. Don't pay attention to that voice. You're good enough. All right, come on, you're good enough for anything, right? That's what we hear. That's the messages. But you, you know yourself. Your own conscience tells you, doesn't it? No, I'm not. Here's what I want you to tell yourself. Here it is. If you're a believer here today, if you're on your way, listen to how awesome this sounds, okay? <laughs> oh, man. If you're a believer and you feel that, oh, man, I'm not good enough. 
I'm not, I haven't done it. Man. I don't want you to say, I'm good enough. Say this. God, I've linked my life with Jesus. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. (laughs) You know how that feels, man? Oh, my goodness. Jesus, you are, you're enough. You're enough for me. And I've linked my life to you. God, you love me. You forgive me. You are for me. You, (laughs) I'm a child of the king. Why? Because Jesus is enough. Hold on to that one. That is a huge lesson of the Mosaic law. Second one, this is a two-pointer, so, okay, here we go. Is that God was making a kingdom for himself. He was, he was happy with, with Abraham as one person, but he actually wants to have a group, a group of people. I said this in 1 Peter 2.9, and now that you know the Old Testament so well, as I read this, watch, there's going to be some new insights that you never had, right? Because you heard the Old Testament, all right? This is why the whole thing is really cool. Here we go. 1 Peter 2.9. You, this is Peter writing to Christians, all right? So this Christians, this is us, us Gentile Christians. You are a chosen people. Hold on, I thought that was the Jewish people. Guess what? We get to be plugged in. You get to be the chosen people. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> you are royal priests. Do you remember way back, he says, I want a nation of priests, the holy priests. Oh, we're the same as them. Yeah, you are. You are royal priests. How come? Because you're awesome? You're awesome because of Jesus, all right? Because he was enough, all right? You are a chosen people. You're a royal priest, a holy nation. There it is. He's just quoting the Old Testament. God's very own possession. You are the apple of his eye. He is the one that thinks and dotes over his people. He loves his people. And guess what? We are plugged into his people. We're a chosen chosen people, royal priest, holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, as a result, it's not for us to go, whoa, I'm blessed. Okay, here we go. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. Guess what? That's what, what God said to Abraham in the beginning, right? You, you are actually loved, and so you can show love to others. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of darkness into wonderful light. So what's the second application to this? Some Christians understand this, a very personal faith, and it is. God, me are great. Just like Abraham, you got faith right. You're headed to heaven. You have your own personal walk with God. That's great. Awesome. There's the next part of the story where God wants to make a kingdom. He wants to make a nation. He wants more than individuals. He wants a group. Where do we find a group of people who believe in God in the New Testament? Okay? Where? where, Okay. Ah, Think about that one. All right? It begins with ch, all right? Ends with urch. The church, the church, the gathering, the gathering is holy gathering, where we're supposed to love each other so much that everybody looks around and go, I want in. This is a good place. You know how much we love each other here? Woo! All right? And we, we work together for us, 
for our world around us, for the people that need Jesus. We are actually loving each other. We have a mission all under King Jesus. Every one of you, if you're a believer, you have a Holy Spirit gift. You have a gift, and it needs to be used, plugged into a body. This is for the people here and those of you online. Listen to this. And this kingdom, this kingdom that God is building, that you can enter the kingdom by becoming a believer, guess what? The gates of hell do not stand against it. We are busting down the gates of hell all the time here, and we are seeing people rescued from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. So when you come together to worship, say, hey, these are my peeps, all right? Look around. These are my peeps. This is my, this is my, my place, my nation, my, my kingdom. We're going to welcome each other. We're going to love each other. We're not just going to church. We're living out God's plan that he had given to Moses. This is God's dream. This is God's kingdom. So, Our two takeaways from the life of Moses. Here it is. Number one, for some of you, you just need to hear that Jesus, you're enough. You need to whisper that as we worship today. I heard a great illustration of this. There's uh, there's this person that was hired to be in a uh, a factory where they're they're winding wire around big, big spools. It was during the time when, when, when there was enough machine that was producing the wire and the, the spools were spinning, but the, they had to have people on there to make sure the wire was, was, was stacking on each other well. And so there's a new guy there, and he said, listen, here's the tool that you use to make sure that wire stacks, and, and, and if it, it starts to go wrong, he said, just stop the machine, stop the machine, here's how you can get the wire back on. He showed them all how to do that, make it go slow, so the guy got the thing going slow, and it's working, and it's working, and it's working, and it got off a little bit. He go, oh my goodness, okay. And he's looking at everybody, everybody else's spools are, are and he's, he's trying to, you know, shimmy it back a little bit, puts a little tool, and then he goes a little bit, but it, it clicked up one too many, and, and it got wrong, and, and so he did it, and, and then because there wasn't enough tension, it started to all unwind. And finally, the thing is just unwinding. He goes, no! And so his supervisor comes over. He said, what happened? And the guy said, the guy said, I did everything I could. You know what his supervisor said? No, you did not. No, no, you don't get it. You don't. I turned it down slow. I used a little machine. I did everything I could. No, you did not. How do you know I didn't do anything I could? He didn't call and ask me for help. God, I am doing everything I can. Jesus, you're enough. You're enough. You're all I got sometimes. You're enough to help me. You're enough to walk beside me. You're enough. And I ask our worship team to come on up. The last one is not only to be able to say, Jesus, you're enough, but be able to say, listen, you, you need to join the gathering, people. Say, hey, listen, I am going to find a gathering, a church, and this is going to be my home. Why? Because it joins you to God's dream. God's dream is to have a people, is to have a people. And so he has a dream to create pockets of his people all over the place. One day, his people are all going to get together. We're going to have a worship service like you wouldn't believe. I heard an interesting story about a First Nations people called the Hopi and this was back in the time when they just started the whole IQ test. And uh, they got a community of uh, Hopi First Nations. And they were giving them the IQ test. They wanted them all to fill out all the right answers. And, you know, it's probably very bad, like trying to figure out, you know, their IQs and all that stuff. 
the moment they, they gave him the test, they all moved their desk together and said, okay, what do you got for this one? They said, hold on, hold on, no, no, you're not supposed to, you're supposed to do it as individuals. And, and they, the whole group looked at him incredulously. Why? We want to know how smart every person is. Well, I'm as smart as my community is. I'm as good as my community because I need her. I need him. You know what? That's Jesus. He says, I want to do great things through you, but you need to be connected to a community because my greatness is going to be through a people that I want to bring people to himself. Let's pray and let's come and worship him. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you are enough. Thank you that we cannot do a thing on our own, but you are enough, Jesus. And we've hooked our lives to you because you are God, our only hope, our only chance. God, I want to thank you that you've made a community, your people, your kingdom, and your kingdom is here in your people. And God, I pray that all of us can work together, love together, to show a fallen world your power in our midst. I ask this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.